0: You're listening to a sermon podcast from Paramount Church in Columbus, Ohio. To learn more, visit paramountcolumbus.com. Well, it's my joy this morning to invite you to turn with me in your copy of God's Word to our text for this morning's sermon, which comes from Revelation chapter one, verses one through three. Revelation chapter one, verses one through three. And as we begin a new book of the Bible, I want to take this opportunity to encourage you uh, to make the most of your copy of God's word. While the screen is wonderful to have in front of us, it's even better to have either a physical copy of the Bible in your hand or your Bible on your phone so that we might be looking together and carefully and clearly at what God's word says to us. Well, we are moving from one difficult book of the Bible in the Old Testament to now another difficult book of the Bible in the New Testament in the book of Revelation. If you want to use that Black Pew Bible that you might find around your seat, you can find that at the end of the New Testament on page 190. The end of the New Testament on page 190. I do want to take a little poll here at the beginning just by raise of hand to see uh, how many of us this is new to, that is, hearing sermons or even a sermon series in the book of Revelation. If you have ever heard a sermon series completely through the book of Revelation, raise your hand right now. Okay, so there are a few. That's good. If you've ever heard a sermon preached out of the book of Revelation that you remember, raise your hand. A few more. That's even better. Well, we want to add to that this morning as we begin a long journey together through the book of Revelation that will take us uh, uh, most of next year with a few breaks along the way as we normally do in the summer and winter. But for the most part, we're going to be working verse by verse and asking God together to really give us wisdom and strength from this important book of the Bible, which which closes the very end cover of our Bibles. Well, like on any Journey that we may take, even a physical journey in the world, we have to do some preparation and we want to do that preparation this morning. If you go on a trip with your family, vacation, or somewhere else, there are some things that you have to do right from the start. You need to pack your bags, you need to make sure that you have all those snacks together. The car is gassed up, the tires have air, but there is something that's more important than any of that, and that is you need to know where you're going. You can have all of those other things together, and if you don't know where you're going, you're not going to reach your destination. So this morning, what we hope to do with just these first few verses of the first chapter of Revelation is to set a kind of trajectory, a direction where we want to be going together as a church as we look at what God says to us in this book. Now, that should be somewhat easy for us as a church because we have one main trajectory. We have one main direction in our church, one main objective, which we We thought about some this morning already during the ABF hour in our member meeting covering some of the important encouragements to evangelism and sharing the gospel with others. And that is that the ultimate objective of our church is to exalt Jesus Christ as King to His glory and to our gladness. That's what we mean when we say around our church that we want to make the gospel paramount. Well, you know, sometimes in our church, in our lives, though that for us as Christians is our ultimate objective, it's easy for other things to crowd that out. Often it's good things. There's lots of other good things that we could be giving our attention to, that we could think about or we could do with our time and our resources and our energy. Sometimes it's because of hard things. Hard things come into our life and they distract us from our ultimate objective of exalting Jesus as our king to his glory and to our gladness. Sometimes it's because of sinful things. We fall into sin and we lose our senses for a moment or a season. Well, I think something similar happens when we come to the book of Revelation. While the trajectory, the objective of the book, is the same as the objective of our church, to exalt Jesus Christ as king, there's lots of other good things that we could be thinking about There's lots of other questions that pop up in our minds. But as we spend this time together as a church, we want to make sure that we keep clear vision, clear vision on where we're going, what our ultimate objective is, and what is the ultimate purpose to the book of Revelation. And that is, that is to exalt Jesus Christ. So this morning, we're going to notice three truths just introducing us to the book of Revelation, and then we'll continue on next week working our way verse by verse through these incredible chapters, and we pray for God's help all along the way. Here's the first truth that I want you to know about the book of Revelation as we try to set a trajectory for this journey we are embarking on together as a church, and that is to understand this first about the book. The book of Revelation is a revealing book. After that, I want you to see, second, that this book is a testifying book, and number three, that this book is a blessing book. Now, you may think on Sundays, where in the world do we get all of these truths and things and considerations? Well, we get them right from the text. Our approach to preaching is to look right into the words of Scripture which God has given us through those divinely inspired writers as His Word through the words of men are spoken to us we want to know what the Bible says about itself, what God says about His Word. And this is what we find first, is that the book of Revelation is a revealing book. In fact, that is shown to us right at the very beginning. And even the first two words that you have in your Bible says, the revelation. Now, here is something that I think we often take for granted. I know that I do. And it is the reality that God himself, the God of the universe, the creator God, the God who has no match, who was and is and is to come, the God who is the sovereign covenant God of all, has actually revealed himself and his will, at least in part, to us. In the nation of Israel, this was a characteristic a work of Yahweh that set apart that nation from all the people of the world. And it still sets apart Christians today. There are no other gods, just as there were not then, who even claimed to reveal themselves to their people. But the God of covenant love, the God of sovereign grace, the God of ultimate glory, he has revealed himself to us. This sets us apart from the rest of the world. And believe me, we do not say that with any measure of arrogance. We don't say that with, it, with, any, with any boastfulness in ourselves because we know that this revelation of God to us has been of sheer grace, just as we read about responsively just a little earlier in our service. We know that everything that we have become as Christians is all because of his grace. Were it not for his grace... There is no telling where we would be. And therefore, we say right alongside that, were it not for his revealing will, who knows where we would be. So as we come to the beginning of this book in particular, we want to keep that in mind. We want to be grateful Christians who understand the very seriousness, the extraordinary reality that our God has revealed himself to us, And that he has remade us to believe in his revealed word. Well, let's consider just a few things about this fact that God has revealed to us and the way that he has revealed himself to us in this book. Notice first in verse 1 it says that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. There are two ways that we could understand that and I think both apply. One is that this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a revelation about Jesus Christ. We just said that a moment ago, that the ultimate objective we want to keep in mind as a church as we go on this journey together is that the ultimate purpose of the book is to exalt Jesus Christ. But also that this is a revelation of Jesus Christ in the sense of a revelation by Jesus Christ. That it's not just that someone else is talking about him but that he himself is telling us about himself we see here in these first verses something that ought to capture our attention as much as anything even though there are some wild sensational hard to understand things in the book of revelation i think that this first verse ought to capture our attention as much as all and if it does then I think we're on the right path to really gaining the benefit and blessing that God intends to give us in this book. And it is by recognizing the way that he has revealed himself to us in the book of Revelation. This revelation of Jesus Christ did not just come in any old, simple, earthly way. It came as though running down a golden chain from heaven to earth. Notice the way that John writes about this revelation, saying the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, Jesus Christ, to show to his bondservants, the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John, and then of course to his people. This is the incredible golden chain of revelation in the book of Revelation. That God the Father would give to Jesus Christ, who would give to his angel, who would then reveal to John and then to his bondservants us. It is an incredible encapsulating picture of the way God delivers his revelation to us unlike any other. Also, this book being a revealing book, this book being about the revelation of Jesus Christ, us knowing as Christians, because we love the Bible, that we need His revelation, that we know nothing in the world, really, apart from His revelation. It raises an important reminder to us, one that we should mark throughout the book, but one that we definitely want to mark at the very beginning, and that is God's calling upon us as His people to do something very important. It is something that is immensely important to all of our lives, the big moments and the small moments, the the big mountaintop experiences down to the valleys and every little moment in between, and that is that we have been called uniquely as his people to stay in the circle. Stay in the circle of revelation. Revelation. If you think about this world, if you think about what we know of God from his word, you recognize that we only know things by revelation. There is no one in the history of mankind who has ever had his own novel thought without the revelation of God, either the general revelation of him in the world or the special revelation of him in his word. In fact, you don't even know anything about God without some kind of analogy revealing it to you. All throughout the scriptures, how does God talk about himself? He comes down condescending to our level as his creatures, and he says to us, I am like this. I'm like a farmer. I'm like a master. My kingdom is like a field. My good news is like a treasure, all based upon his perfect and helpful down-to-earth revelation. And therefore, if we're wise, we will stay in the circle of revelation. There's danger in leaving that circle of revelation, which you and I often are either tempted to do or we actually do. You may not think of it that way because you you think like I do about us and our church as as a Bible-loving church, and we really are, but it's in those little nooks and crannies of life that that we get tempted away to look somewhere else, somewhere else for our hope, somewhere else for a little bit of extra advice when the Bible's not quite getting it right, maybe looking for that second theological opinion where the Bible has spoken clearly. We're all prone to this kind of thing, and it is dangerous to leave the circle of revelation. We have to ask ourselves, why would we, though, Because as we read here and throughout the pages of Scripture, God's gracious revelation of Himself to us is our very safety. It's like that child's game of tag that we played so long ago. You know, run around the playground trying not to get tagged. Out there was the danger zone, but there was a place of refuge. Where was it? It was home base. It might have been a swing or the monkey bars or the steps. But as long as you could get to that rail, as long as you could get to that swing or to that slide and you could touch it or you could be in the circle, you were safe. But then there's always that, that yearning. There's that yearning in my heart today. Even if we were to go out and play tag, I'm going to leave that home base. I'm going to make something happen. I'm going to do something new. I'm going to add a little excitement to this boring, home-based life. But when I do, that's when I get into trouble. I need to stay in the circle of revelation. I think about my life on a regular basis, just like you probably do in yours. How many times do we wish that we could know the future? Don't you wish you could know what would happen tomorrow or next week or a year from now? We feel like, oh, that would really help me. If I could just know what was going to happen with my children, how would they turn out? What would they do? If I could just know, what will another 10 years at Paramount Church be like? Oh, that would would really help me get along. But you know, I think that God has given us a gift. And it's the gift of revelation. And why is that such a gift when you think about your desire to know the future? It's a gift because he doesn't tell you the whole story. Just as we read in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 29, 29, we find that our God is keeping secrets from us. He is a secret-keeping God. But the good news is he's not keeping everything a secret. He's, in fact, making wise decisions about what exactly we need to know. And he has placed all of that truth in the circle Of his revealed will. He has revealed to us what he is like. He's revealed to us the kinds of things that please him. He's revealed to us his precepts and his commands. He's revealed to us the incredible good news of Jesus Christ, who lived and died and rose again for for people like us, sinners who cannot save themselves except by grace alone. And he's even revealed some other things to us as we look forward to the fulfillment of his ultimate promises. But it's true, he restricts. He restricts our knowledge of the future. You don't want to know those things. I know that it can seem in my own heart so appealing. If I could just get outside that circle of what God has revealed and I could find out something else, oh, that would really help me get along. But God knows that it won't. He knows that if I knew those things, if he were to show me those things now, It might not give me confidence. It might not make me brave. It might not make me faithful. It might make me cowardly. It might make me unfaithful. It might make me fearful and doubtful. But instead, he's given us a circle, and he wants us to stay in that circle. That's why we have such good news in the scriptures to remind us to stay in the circle of revelation. Take seriously what God has said to you. Don't go looking elsewhere for something better. There is no grass. There is no grass on the other side. It is only desert. That's why we are grateful as Christians to stay in the circle of revelation because it's there that we have been given as peter says everything pertaining to life and godliness let me remind you of these verses or you could turn quickly with me there to 2nd peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 4 where we hear this to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our god and savior jesus christ grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge in the revelation of God and of Jesus our Lord. For his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Through these, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them, by those revealed, Promises, precious and magnificent. You may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world on account of lust or ruling desires of our hearts. What an incredible passage of Scripture, just a couple of verses that tell us just how good it is to be in the circle of Revelation. So as we head into this book this year, We want this to be on our minds and in our hearts that we would take the book of Revelation, that we would take God's revelation seriously and joyfully, that it would drive us into his word so that we would see him and that we would see him exalted as our ultimate king who loves us and has drawn a circle around us where he is keeping us safe in his covenant love. It is a beautiful thing. Don't miss this as we begin the book of Revelation. It is a revealing book. Just as the rest of scripture is, we want its revelation to impact our hearts and our minds. But second, as I said earlier, it is a testifying book. This clarifies exactly what is the purpose of God's revealing. What is his ultimate intention? What is he testifying about? Well, this word that's used at the very beginning of the book of Revelation is the word apocalypsis. That's a word that sounds familiar to you and me because it it sounds like the word uh, apocalyptic. That there's an apocalyptic event, or sometimes you watch an apocalyptic movie or read an apocalyptic book. Often that entails some kind of earth-shattering, end-of-time kind of thing, but that's really not what the word apocalypsis means. Rather, it means to reveal or unveil or to uncover or to disclose. There are several pictures that might come to your mind as they do to mine, like the, the pulling back of a, of a curtain to let the light shine in. That's revelation. That's apocalypsis. Or to pull back the curtain to reveal the secret workings behind it like in that scene from The Wizard of Oz where they pull back the curtain and they see exactly what has been going on in their world. Or to pull back the veil and to reveal the the hidden beauty of a bride. All of these are, are suitable pictures to help us get in our minds, what is the book of Revelation doing? It is pulling back a curtain. And it's pulling back a curtain in particular on a testimony a testimony, there's that word that often comes up in, in, in court hearings and proceedings when someone testifies. Sometimes we talk about that in our evangelism, sharing the gospel with other people. We want to give a testimony. We tell the testimony of, of how Jesus Christ has changed our lives. When we're doing that, what are we doing? We're, we're pulling back the curtain. We're pulling back to show something that, that, that people have not heard from us yet. Well, that is what the book of Revelation is doing. It's pulling back the curtain on a testimony about the word of God and about Jesus Christ. That's what it says in verse two. This is about a testimony. Let's start again at verse one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel and to his bondservant, John, who testified. He testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, everything that he saw. This is a key truth that we must keep in mind, holding tightly if we're going to understand and and get the marrow out of the book of Revelation. You know, I think that many of us, when we heard the the next sermon series will be in the book of Revelation, had our, our ears perk up. We had our, our attention growing. Uh, oh, wow, that's, that will really be something. And truly, that's the way that we should approach all of Scripture and certainly the book of Revelation. However, we have to be careful. There is a reason why so many people, ourselves included, have found the book of Revelation like an enigma wrapped in an enigma. Confusing, startling, confounding, crazy, wild, sensational. I think it's because of verse two. I think it's because like we do in in our church sometimes, we lose sight of that ultimate objective and we lose sight of the ultimate purpose of the book and that is to testify to Jesus Christ. Those times when we've come to the book of Revelation and we've come away thinking, wow, I don't know what that's all about. It's usually because we have been looking for the wrong thing. In that way, I would think that in the world at large, the book of Revelation might just be the most abused book in the Bible. It's so often by so many people been gone to and opened and read for the wrong reasons. Sometimes we've come to the book of Revelation because we're really interested in future prophecies and Unlocking this secret encoded knowledge about the destiny of the world or even of my life. Sometimes we've come to the book of Revelation because we want to know the, the marvelous secrets which will give in to our, our wildest speculations. We all know what a dangerous path that is. You can go down to Barnes & Noble or Amazon and you can just search for prophecy books and there are millions of them and they're all just as crazy as the one before it and they are because they're looking for the wrong thing the ultimate purpose of this book is something that we love it's something that we love to do it's something that we long to do more and so we pray god use this book to help us do what this book does and that is to testify to Jesus Christ. This is the best, all right, fancy seminary word, hermeneutical lens. A hermeneutical lens is just a way to interpret something, it's what you're looking through to understand it. And when we look at all of Scripture in our church, we are looking through the lens of Jesus Christ. We see all of Scripture as being Christ centered, its ultimate purpose is not what I have mistaken at times in my life, which is to to talk about me or to exalt me, but rather to talk about Jesus and to exalt Jesus. This is the way that we can gain the blessing of the book of Revelation by seeing that Jesus himself is the central purpose of the book. And when it's put that way for me, it becomes so much clearer why I have had so much trouble in the past. In younger years as a Christian, kind of staying away from that crazy book or when I got into it, really getting sidetracked, it was because I was missing the central person of the book. I was looking for something else. Even though I knew that Jesus was the center, for some reason when I came to this book, that was out the window. It's not a lot unlike my experience when I played basketball in college. I rode the bench quite a bit, and I'm not ashamed to say that. I and mean, I knew the plays because we practiced them a lot. But when I finally had that chance to get in the game, I was on the 40 40 squad. Up 40, down 40, I'm in the game. But as soon as I went in the game, it was inevitable. The pressure of the moment, the seriousness of the situation, My yearning desire to do something good drove out of my mind every page of the playbook. I had no idea where to be. I had no idea what to do. And that's what's happened to me in the book of Revelation time and time again. I know the plays. I have all the pages in my mind and heart. I have every intention of being Christ-centered when I come to this book. And then I get on the floor. It's out the window. So, if we're going to make the most of this, here's the second use of our text this morning as we work forward in the coming months. We must remember our key strategy for all of Scripture, and that is this to know Jesus Christ. We want to know Jesus Christ. He is not someone that we can get to the end of, He's not someone that we're going to exhaust and become bored with. He is unending. He is the infinite God of the universe. And therefore, if we come to this incredible book looking for him, there will be no lack of insight. There will be no lack of joy. And there will be no lack of attention from our hearts if we keep this one objective central. We want to exalt Jesus Christ. This book is a revealing book. This book is a testifying book. Finally, I want you to see this morning that if we listen to and obey what we find in this book, this book will be to us a blessing book, meaning it will be a book through which God works his means of grace to bless us. The book of Revelation is an apocalypse. It's a prophecy and it's a letter, but it's all three of those things with this ultimate purpose of knowing Jesus Christ. And as we keep that in mind, in will flow the blessing of the book of Revelation, which God intends it to be. How do you know that the book of Revelation is intended for your blessing? Well, you know that because that's what verse 3 says Blessed is the one who reads. And those who hear the words of the prophecy and keep the things which are written in it, for the time is near. There's that ever important word in the scriptures, blessed. It's the word here that is Makarios. But what I want you to see from this word as we begin this book together is that this word blessed does not mean what you think it means in English. It doesn't mean just a a, a little bit of blessing. It doesn't mean material blessing. It doesn't mean a little gift or a surprise visit from someone you haven't seen in a while. And they walk in the door and you say, oh, what a blessing. It was such a blessing to see you. Those are beautiful moments. But this makarios, this blessing is the word for ultimate satisfaction. It's the opposite of another word, which is the word nds, which means destitute or needy. It means that blessed, fulfilled, satisfied is the one who reads and those who hear and those who keep the things that are written in this book. Sometimes we hear, as we do in the Old Testament, for instance, in the Psalms, we hear that blessed is the man who does this and that. He, we read it again here. We read it in the Beatitudes. Sometimes that is translated for us as happy. And I like translating it as happy because I certainly see that as a central purpose or intention of God in his word is to make us happy. But when we say that, just as we, when we say blessed, we must understand what we mean. It's not what we mean in English. I was interested to find that the word happy in English actually comes from another English word, hap, which means fortune. And so to be happy simply means that you're a person who has come into some good fortune. You've come into a good circumstance. You see, but that's not what the, what the Bible means when the Bible says happy is the man. Happy are those who read happier. Those who hear happier. Those who keep the things, but It means ultimate blessing, ultimate gladness, ultimate fullness like nothing else. We're not very many weeks away from that wonderful Christmas morning when our families, Lord willing, will will gather together, will spend time uh, eating good food and opening gifts and hopefully enjoying one another's company. You think about in your mind what you hope that morning will be like. You hope that it will be full of happiness. You hope that everyone will get along. You imagine the moment when the fire is burning and, and you're, you're cozy on the couch. Maybe if there are children in your home, they're sitting happily playing with toys on the floor. Your, your belly is full, not too full, but just full enough, and everything is right in the world. That's the picture of happiness. But when you come to Scripture, when you come to the book of Revelation, when you come to the blessing Multiply that by a million, by a billion. That's the intention that God has. His intention is to bless you in the, the best of ways, and that's the blessing that we want to seek out. But look, if you want the blessing, here's what's so wonderful about the Word of God is He tells you how. He hasn't kept that a secret. He has actually told you how to enjoy this makarios, this blessing, this ultimate satisfaction. And how do you do it? By reading, by hearing, and by keeping the things that are written in this book. This is such a joy to me because it reminds me yet again of what we're really all about as Christians. We're all about a gospel. We're all about an announcement of good news. We're all about a a savior who has come to save us by grace and not by our works. We're all about a God who has come to redeem us and to forgive us, not on the basis of things that we could do, not by giving us more commands to follow, uh, even some kind of Christianized good works to do, but rather that he's come to redeem us By grace alone, in which through faith alone, we don't do anything. We only hear. And look at what this says. Again and again, I see the gospel painted all over my Bible. Blessed is the one who reads. And those who hear the words of this prophecy about Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, who saves by grace alone and keeps the things which are written in it. To keeps them, to, to keep them, to secure them, to guard them, to hold them, to treasure them. Do you want the blessing? Oh, I hope you do. We want this as our church. We want our church to be blessed in these ways, and this is how. Read, hear, keep. We're reminded even here of how all of this began for us. It did not begin nine years ago, almost 10 as a church. It began millennia ago. It began ultimately back in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. But then in the word of God, we see it revealed to us that it began with Abraham. Do you remember what God did for Abraham in Genesis? He took Abraham, a pagan person, from another place and he called him and he said, I am going to make you into a great nation and all the people of the world will be, blessed through you, through you, Abraham, through the coming seed, who is the redeemer, who is Jesus Christ, the one about whom this book is written. And if you hear his good news and you hear it with faith and you keep it secure in your heart, holding tightly to this good news about him, then you will know the ultimate blessing of God because this is the way that it comes. So our final use this morning as we bring this time to a close and then prepare our hearts to sing again is that we would seek the blessing of ultimate gladness, ultimate satisfaction in Christ, which is revealed to us as the central purpose of the book of Revelation. Let me encourage you. I'll do this a number of times along the way. Don't get hung up on sensational questions. It's wonderful to speculate. It's wonderful to to think out about these incredible realities that are shown to us in this book, but don't get hung up on them. This book is a vision. It is symbolic in many ways, and that makes it challenging. But if we keep this trajectory, which we've been considering this morning, then we will know the blessing, and that trajectory is Christ alone. Keep your eyes on Christ. Let's do that together. Let's remind one another in community group life during the week on Sunday morning and one-on-one times of spending time praying or or encouraging one another together that our ultimate objective here and now and our ultimate objective then will be to exalt our King. And so we pray this morning as we will right now that God would bless these, these efforts of ours to understand His Word and that He would help us to exalt Jesus to His glory, and to our gladness. Let me invite you to stand with me as we pray together and then we sing together yet again. Our Father, we give You thanks this morning for Your Word. We give You thanks for this incredible book of Revelation that contains the book of Revelation. And we pray as we come here over the coming months, Father, that You would give us wisdom. We pray that You would open our hearts and our minds, that You would give us a seriousness about You, a seriousness about joy in you about knowing you about exalting you about living in your kingdom and looking forward to the fulfillment of your promises one day when we will be with you without sin without sorrow and with ultimate hope and joy and so we pray this morning that you would help us in this we need eyes to see we need ears to hear we need hearts to believe and so we pray for that this morning We pray for any who would be here today and don't know you as Lord and Savior. Jesus, we pray that by your spirit, they would come to know you. They would repent and believe, and they would come into your kingdom and become a part of your covenant family. Always satisfied, ever satisfied, more satisfied in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.